Namaste and welcome to the Buddhism Guide podcast by Yeshi Rabgay. If you'd like more of my podcasts, blogs, videos or guided meditation practices, visit my website yeshirabgay.com and if you'd like to support my work, go to patreon.com forward slash Buddhism Guide. I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is called the Mangala Sutra, Part 3. In this third part of the Mangala Sutra, we'll look at social principles. These social principles take us further into our journey of becoming more responsible and reducing our mental suffering. By implementing these principles, we will also be reducing the suffering of those around us. This isn't a selfish journey. It's one that helps us gain compassion for others. But gaining compassion isn't enough. We have to reflect on the principles and put what we learn into practice. So these following principles cover kindness, empathy and responsibility. Be generous. This played a big part in Buddha's teachings and he mentioned it on numerous occasions. One such time he talked about the fruits of giving. If beings knew, as I know, the fruit of sharing gifts, they would not enjoy their use without sharing them, nor would the taint of stinginess obsess the heart and stay there. Even if it were their last bite, their last morsel of food, they would not enjoy its use without sharing it if there were anyone to receive it. So what are the fruits of being generous? For the giver, They help foster a clear conscience, help you build a good future and make you compassionate and a respected person within society. It also gives you a great feeling of warmth, pleasure and satisfaction. Many people think we shouldn't receive anything in return for giving, but I believe this is not being totally honest. If you give a gift to a child, and the child smiles warmly at you, you're going to feel happy inside. If you take a sick person to hospital, he or she is going to be grateful, and you'll feel that you've done a good deed. So it's true that we receive something from giving, and there's no shaming that. However, we shouldn't give just to receive these things. They should be looked upon as a byproduct and not the purpose for giving. One of the key things generosity does is prevent us from being miserly. It gives us temporary relief from the pain of selfishness and stops us from becoming totally wrapped up in ourselves. When we are miserly, we worry day and night about our wealth and belongings. We go to great lengths to protect them. We can't sleep at night worrying if someone will break in and steal them. We grow to mistrust others 
and our mind is disturbed from the pressure of trying to protect our wealth. The miser is so scared of losing his wealth that he hoards it. Buddha put it this way, what the miser fears that keeps him from giving is the very danger that comes when he doesn't give. How true is that? So, a miser lives in fear of his wealth. But to what end? When we die, we're not able to take anything with us. So isn't it nicer to give things away whilst we're alive? I'm not talking about giving everything away and living as a pauper. But there is only so much wealth and belongings we need or can even use. If we do give, we have to be careful that our generosity stems from compassion and not from pride. Our intention and motivation are extremely important here. If you are giving just to get thanks or praise, it isn't going to benefit you in the ways I mentioned above. Your conscience is not going to be clear. You'll not become more compassionate or reduce your suffering. And you certainly will not get respect from others. Giving something and expecting praise is not a very attractive trait. Giving doesn't just mean material things. It could be a friendly smile, a kind, encouraging word. Whatever type of giving you do, do it with an open heart. Don't expect praise and thanks. Let the smile on the person's face be all the thanks you need. Practice virtuous actions. In part one of this series, I mentioned the five precepts. These were discussed as things to refrain from. But instead of just avoiding negative actions, we should attempt to act in a positive and virtuous way. A good way to do this is to follow the positive aspects of the precepts, which are practice harmlessness, generosity, faithfulness, truthfulness and self-control. Harmlessness. If our minds are filled with empathy and respect for others, we'll never have the intention to harm anyone. We'll see that others have difficulties and problems just like us. They go through life trying to be happy as they can. In our lives, we see people who are less fortunate than ourselves. But instead of just having pity for them, we should have empathy. This is when we put ourselves in their shoes, see the world through their eyes, and not try to fit their experience into our worldview. Empathy can be a real eye-opener, and from it we can build compassion. Not a compassion built on sorrow or guilt, but real heartfelt compassion. Once we have this type of compassion, it'll become more difficult for us to have harmful thoughts. We're all different, and so people will always do and say things we may not agree with. But instead of being angry, we should respect their viewpoint and mentally thank them for showing us an alternative way of being. We may, in the end, 
not change our viewpoint, but at least we've shown the other person respect by listening to them. Generosity was covered in the previous principle, so let's move on to faithfulness. If we have a partner, we should be faithful to him or her. It is our responsibility to be kind and caring towards our partner and vice versa. If we love and cherish someone, we'll not want to cause that person any pain and suffering. If we have strong negative feelings towards a partner, I suggest it's time to move on or at the very least try to talk it through. I'm not saying we should give up at the first hurdle, but if something is over, it's over. And the kindest thing to do is to be honest. I think a huge part of faithfulness is honesty. Things may not always be sweetness and light between you and your partner, but if you're honest, things may work themselves out. It seems to be a strong human trait to want what we don't have. We seem never to be satisfied. The grass is always greener on the other side until you reach the other side and then you find some other patch of grass to desire. If we're talking about phones here, then no harm is done. But we're talking about other humans who have feelings if we think how cruel unfaithfulness is, we will never consider doing it. Faithfulness is concerned not only with partners. It also covers work colleagues, parents, family, friends, and anyone else you come into contact with. Being faithful means to be trustworthy, loyal, and steadfast. Is that you? Truthfulness. The saying goes, honesty is the best policy, and it clearly is. We hate to be lied to, and so does everyone else. When we're truthful, we gain respect, friends and trust. I believe we all long for these things. We also gain a mind that is calm, without guilt and remorse. Sometimes the truth is painful, but being lied to? is even more painful. Self-control. Once we drink too much, take illegal drugs, are overcome by sexual urges or angry, our self-control goes out of the window and with it, the previous four precepts. Self-control is nothing more than mindfulness. If we're mindful of our thoughts, our speech, and our bodily actions, we will stay in control. However, once we have lost control of our mind, our speech and actions follow suit. Self-control helps us be sure that our behaviour and impulses are kept in check. This is an alternative way of looking at the precepts. If we keep harmlessness, generosity, faithfulness, truthfulness and self-control in the forefront of our minds, we'll be practicing virtuous actions. Help your friends and relatives. 
In previous principles, we spoke about helping parents and guardians, spouses and children. However, we shouldn't stop there. We should also help our friends and extended family. As we help one another, we create goodwill, and this will help us along the path. As with our parents, we can help people materially, financially, physically or emotionally. And you know, sometimes emotional help is the most important. There are times in our lives when we feel like we've hit rock bottom. It's at these times we need a shoulder to cry on or a helping hand. Remember what I said previously about cause and effect. If we help people when they need assistance, they're more likely to help us when we're in trouble. So, it's of great benefit to all of us to help each other. We all grow stronger with mutual help and support. It's important to help our friends, but it's equally important to choose good friends. Here is a quote attributed to Buddha that sums up the importance of choosing one's friends carefully. An insincere and evil friend is more to be feared than a wild beast. A wild beast may wound your body, but an evil friend will wound your mind. So be sure you're surrounding yourself with good friends. And once you've done that, strive to be a good friend yourself. Let me finish by mentioning what it says about a true friend in the Mitta Sutra. He gives what is beautiful, hard to give, does what is hard to do, endures painful, ill-spoken words. His secrets he tells you, your secrets he keeps. When misfortunes strike, he doesn't abandon you. When you're down and out, doesn't look down on you. A person in whose these traits are found is a friend to be cultivated by anyone wanting a friend. We should not only try to look for friends like this, but also try to become that type of friends ourselves. Be blameless in your conduct. A blameless life is one whereby we don't harm others with our body, speech or mind. In fact, we go out of our way to help others, and that includes animals and the environment. What these principles are trying to do is reduce our sense of unease and discontentment with life. And the way they're doing it is to show us that by being kind, caring and blameless, we'll have less stress and guilt and our minds will be more stable and less agitated. And I'm sure we would all welcome that. As you work through these principles, you'll see that some are about helping yourself directly, such as following an ethical code or learning practical skills. And some are about helping others, such as taking care of your spouse and helping your friends. This is because we don't live in a vacuum. We're all interconnected. So if you help others and live a blameless life, you're indirectly helping yourself. But if you harm others, 
and lead a blameworthy life. You're in turn harming yourself. A great way to help others is to do volunteer work. I'm sure we can find some time in our busy lives to help others. It doesn't have to be working for a recognised charity. It could be helping needy people in your community, mowing the lawn for an old person, taking a sick neighbour to hospital, raising funds for local charities and so on. You'll be surprised at the difference you can make if you try. In one of Buddha's sutras, he mentioned another aspect of blameless life. And this undeluded person, not overcome by delusion, his mind not possessed by delusion, doesn't kill living beings, take what is not given, go after another person's wife, tell lies or induce others to do likewise, all of which is for long-term welfare and happiness. What he's saying here is that if we follow these five precepts, we will already be on the road to living a blameless life. It may not be enough, but it's certainly a great starting point. We must stay aware, moment by moment, of our actions of body, speech and mind. If we do not have thoughts of bitterness, do not tell lies or use words that will harm others, and do not kill, steal, or otherwise hurt people and animals, then we are truly blameless. It's also important not to encourage others to act against the five precepts. If we can teach and encourage others to follow a blameless path, we'll be doing a great service to humankind, and our lives will become blameless and beyond reproach. This blog is based on my book, Life's Meandering Path, available from Amazon and Kindle. This is the end of this episode, but if you'd like to listen to more of my podcasts, go to my website, yeshirabge.com. So thank you so much for listening. And remember, the only person we can ever really know is ourselves. Bye for now.